Welcome to How Life Changed, a podcast that features stories of real people and how their lives have changed as a result of COVID-19. I'm your host, John Noltner, and I'm glad you could join us. Change is a constant in life, but as a global community, we're now in the midst of unprecedented change as a result of the pandemic, and it's altering our work, home, and community lives in unexpected and profound ways. Each of us will experience this outbreak in our own unique fashion, each of us a single thread woven into the fabric of this historic event. Over the next 30 minutes or so, we'll explore just one of those threads, one person's story, and through that lens, hope to gain some human insight into the bigger picture of what's happening in our world today. This episode of How Life Changed is being recorded on Monday, April 6, 2020. Today I'm talking with Sandy Wessel, whose father is in the hospital, and while his health concern is not related to COVID-19, the virus has impacted her ability to visit him, as well as her own ability to work as a physical therapist. So Sandy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us what's going on with your dad? Uh, My dad went to the hospital beginning early March for a simple gallbladder surgery. It didn't turn out to be so simple. Uh, multiple complications to open abdominal surgeries um, ended up going septic with um, kidney failure. Um, and he's just really sick. He's been on the ventilator on and off a couple times and now had to have a tracheostomy in order to maintain his airway and is still on the ventilator for support. I mean, he can breathe on his own, but he needs help right now because he's just too weak overall in general. He can't even, I mean, he doesn't even move his, hardly moves his arms, legs. He needs help to even move those right now. And he's, he's in a hospital that's near you, right? Correct. Very okay. close. Like not even 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes away. Okay. But when was the last time you were able to see him? The last time we were able to physically be there and see him was March 17th. And since then, the, the, the situation with COVID has meant there are restrictions on visitors. Is that right? Correct. After March 17th, there was no visitors allowed in the hospital at all. Someone was having a surgery. I guess they would let one visitor go in. Um, and if somebody was, I guess, dying. I mean, my dad's critically ill, but I guess not ill enough to warrant one of us to be allowed in. Okay. So what have you had to do to try to stay in touch with him? So when we found out that that was probably coming down the road, which I pretty much knew, um, I remembered that I had an iPad that I don't use anymore really too much. And I had gotten a, um, a holder for it in a kind of a stand way many years ago that I hadn't ever even actually used. And I took it to the hospital and left it there for him, hooked it up, you know, made sure there's an extension cord, left everything at the bedside. In fact, the one uh, doctor, his primary doctor, is the head of uh, medical director there. Um, and he was like, oh, that's a really good idea. And I was kind of like surprised. Like, I'm like, you guys should need to figure this out before for your other patients. So I was kind of glad that I thought of, you know, doing the iPad. So we have at least some visual as well as, you know, via phone communication. 
And who, who who else is involved in this whole process? I think you've you, you've got a sister and a mom, or am I understanding that right? I have a sister and a, my mother. Um, my mom's home by herself, so trying to keep as isolated as she can. I mean, I've gone over to the house periodically, pretty much just step in the house and talk to her briefly. And that's about, I mean, about it. I just dropped off groceries this morning, left them at her doorstep this morning because I was in the grocery store trying not to, you know, contaminate her, um, <clears throat> to keep her healthy. So talk to me a little bit about your work as a physical therapist. I work in a, an acute care hospital, which is really similar to the hospital that my dad is currently in. I treat patients in the ICU on the medical floors. I treat patients who are medically in the hospital, but I also float up to the inpatient rehab floor who are patients who, um, come from the medical floor who can tolerate three hours of therapy a day. Um, and I work part-time, so three days a week, typically. Um, but I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm not currently working right now. And, and that's related to COVID, right? Correct. It's related to COVID in, in two, well, two ways, because I have asthma myself and I have my two sons, they're immuno, take immunosuppressive drugs. So I didn't want to put my myself or my family at risk and also needed not to put my dad at risk if he were to ever come home. I was hoping sooner than later, but that's not looking like that. But as well as my mom, who was in her 70s. And then the second aspect of that is um, right now, the hospital census is down because they're not doing elective surgeries. So, and the outpatient therapists don't have work to do as well. So some of the outpatient therapists were coming over to help in the hospital. So actually currently right now they're overstaffed. So I guess in a roundabout way, I'm actually helping them not to be as overstaffed. So it's kind of been a a changing situation every um, day, every week that's gone on so now I actually to starting today and all the way to May the first Monday in May I, I'm, I'm on what they call a voluntary furlough um, which a couple other people um, are also uh, using as well okay so you said a couple of things to me before we actually started the interview that I'd kind of like to explore a little bit you you mentioned that you're you're starting to get a little frustrated with the process because you feel like with, with your job skill set that there are actually some things that you could be doing to help your dad if you were able to be there with him. Correct. If I could be there, um, even after, if I had, if I would be able to work, I would have gone after work or if I not, I could have just taken, you know, some FMLA days, um, to be at the hospital. If someone or my mom would be there, we could have been there to give him physical support, kind of like that cheerleader support. Um, maybe when they did extubate him the last time, maybe if we would have been there to help him suction some of the secretions up because he can't hold the thing to help suck things out. Maybe, you know, we would have not had to end up with a tracheostomy, but I don't know. I mean, there's too many ifs in the situation, but I think maybe us having been there more physically even though we have FaceTimed and I believe he knows that we're talking to him, 
it's not the same as being there physically. So my mom probably would have been there all day with him. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so he can't, he's not really in a position to be able to communicate back to you with the FaceTime, right? Yes and no. I mean, he's, he has been shaking his head. Yes and no. What seems to be appropriately when we're on there and he'll look like towards the iPad and like a couple days ago, even last night, I mean, he would look at it. I don't know that it's hard to say if he totally understands. I don't think he understands everything that's going on or can even remember because I'm a little bit of sedation too to kind of make him comfortable. Um, so it's just not the same as kind of being right there in the room. We've told him why the referee, we've just told him, you know, so we can't be there. If we could, we would be, but I don't know how much he's comprehending. Hmm. That all feels like a, a lot all at the same time. How are, how are you holding up with it all? I'm doing okay, but I think today I'm, I'm feeling more frustrated with the lack of progress that he's making and how sick he really is. And he just seems now he kind of seems more now that he's a little more foggy than he had been a couple of days ago. So you know, I don't know if that's from the sedation or just from him being there so long. I kind of am getting a little more angry at this whole COVID thing because, you know, it's nothing we can control and I get it. It's bad for everybody and then different aspects. It just seems like, you know, normally I'd be, I'd be able to, ju- I would be able to deal with my dad's stuff and it would be, it's hard in general but then you add this whole other level of what's going on with COVID on top of it. And it sometimes feels too much. Yeah, I can imagine. And then I also would love to go give my, if I get emotional, I'm sorry, but. um, Yeah. I would love to go give my mom a really big hug. And I can't. Cause I want to keep her safe too. So. Oh, I'm so sorry, Sandy. It's I heard somebody say the other day, and I think it's it's appropriate that normally when we have family crises or community crises, we're all accustomed to coming together. And uh, in this case, strangely, uh, to help the situation, we have to stay far apart, but that makes it hard. Correct. Um, so yes, it's making it harder. And, you know, I have my in-laws live close by too, and my husband's um, sister lives close by and they're, they're all being, you know, everybody is supportive when we call and everything. It's just like you said, normally in a time of crisis, everybody gets together and that's your support and we can't do that. How is your mom doing through all of this? Um, I think she's doing the best she can. Uh, it's kind of given her, like she was on the verge of having some high blood pressure problems before all this. And now that's kind of had to take blood pressure medication now to kind of keep that under control. Cause I'm afraid, you know, that I'm worried about now oh, she's going to have a stroke or something. And from that, and yeah, just <laughs> kind of a snowballing effect. Mm. Yeah. You you said something else earlier, um, you know, obviously with what's going on with your dad, with your own uh, asthma and being at risk, um, 
being on this voluntary furlough is obviously the right choice, but you said, you mentioned that there's, there's some guilt that accompanies that too, being a healthcare worker and not being able to be engaged in this whole process. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I do. Um, like I said, they told me that I'm helping out because they're overstaffed, which makes me feel better. But at the same time, when I'm on Facebook and I see my coworkers, you know, in their masks, their homemade masks and everything and still going to work, I, I feel guilty because I should be there helping them. Or maybe if they need a day off, I should come in and, you know, give them relief. But I'm not because I, I need to protect myself and my family because of other stuff that's going on right now too. So, but as frustrated as I am, I mean, we need to take, we need to do what we're doing. The other thing that I actually, as the weeks go on (laughs) and I think some of it has to do with, you know, the media constantly talking about it all the time and just really starting to, you know, people make people freak out or panic even more. And I mean, Today, I just went to the grocery store and literally, I never thought I would ever have to do this. I sat at the front door. I put all my groceries on the porch. I sat at the front door with a bucket of bleach water and my son was inside the door and I literally wiped off all my groceries. And I'm like, am I really doing this? Mm. You know, because now they're even telling me to do all that. And I'm like, I don't know. It It just seems so crazy and something like out of a movie. I went to Home Depot for a remodeling project yesterday, and I think probably 90% of the people were now wearing masks in the Home Depot, which I hadn't seen before. Yes, and actually, I, I, this is my first trip that I actually wore a mask to the store as well, because now that's what the CDC is telling you to do. And Are you concerned about your father being exposed to COVID-19 in the hospital? That is another concern, yes. Um, I'm sure they're doing whatever they can to hopefully only assign staff that has not worked with COVID patients. Um, I did talk to the the infectious disease doctor, who I know from also working over at the hospital that I work at, and they're having like certain what they call COVID floors. Um, I'm hoping they're trying to isolate that more and also isolate their staff to only seeing those patients and not having them see patients that aren't in the hospital for that. But I have to trust the system, I guess. Well, I'm sorry uh, that your dad is in a difficult stretch. I'm sorry that the COVID is having uh, such an impact on the way you're able to sort of help take care of him. Good luck with things. I hope that uh, things come around for your dad. I hope he's able to uh, move on to the next uh, stage of his care pretty quickly and, um, and you all can find a little peace in it. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Sandy. Bye-bye. All right. Have have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for How Life Changed. I'm your host, John Nolner. And I look forward to seeing you next time. How Life Changed is a series produced by A Piece of My Mind, a multimedia arts project that uses storytelling to rediscover what connects us. You can find A Piece of My Mind on Instagram at A-P-O-M-M Stories, on Twitter at A Piece of My Mind 1, that's the numeral 1, Facebook and YouTube at A Piece of My Mind, 
Peace is always spelled out, P-E-A-C-E. And you can find all of those links on our website, A-P-O-M-M dot net. That's the acronym for a piece of my mind dot net. Listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend to listen too. Together, we'll see the world in new ways, one story at a time.